0: Welcome to Bellies, Bits and Babies, a babyology podcast all about women's pelvic health that answers the questions we're too scared to ask, hosted by physiotherapist and pelvic floor expert, Heba Shaheed. She's on a mission to break the shame and embarrassment surrounding women's pelvic health and to educate and empower women to live healthier, stronger and happier lives. In this episode, we're talking about pelvic organ prolapse, a condition that affects one in three months. It's where the connective tissue and ligaments that support the pelvic organs become overstretched due to childbirth. But don't worry. Today we'll find out how to know if you have it, what you can do to overcome the symptoms, and how you can get back into exercise and the life you want without pelvic organ prolapse holding you back. In just a moment, we'll be joined in the studio by someone who experienced pelvic organ prolapse and is now... In the words of Oprah, living her best life.
1: Magdalena is a fitness professional and was one of my clients. Hi Magdalena, thanks so much for agreeing to share your story with us.
2: Hi, thanks for having me, I'm really excited. How old are your little ones? Uh, so my son is four and a half wow. and my daughter is just seven weeks yesterday. Wow, seven weeks. How are you feeling? Uh, really good, actually. Surprisingly
1: good, I have to say. That's really great, considering that you did have that pelvic organ prolapse. Yes, yes. So Magdalena, you came to see me about a year and a half after you had your first son, Liam. Can you share with us about what led you to come and see me?
2: So um, I suffer from incontinence for... Mom, So probably over a year after I had my son, I just ignored it because that's normal. I thought it's normal. I had a baby. My pelvic floor is weaker. And because I didn't really leak uh, during the exercise, like body pump and strength training, which was what I did the most, it didn't really bother me. Um, But I did cardio class where I jumped for about 45 minutes and I ended up with a wet crotch. Wow. Then I thought, that's not normal. I'm a fitness professional and I need to do something about it.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned that a lot of, you know, it's not just you. A lot of people think that putting up with these things, you know, after you have birth, it's normal. I should just put up with it. What made you believe that having a bit of leakage was normal?
2: Talking to other women, I guess, and, you know, you just read that your pelvic floor is going to be weaker, just the kegels, but you know that your pelvic floor is going to be weaker anyway, so you kind of think it's normal. And I actually spoken to um, another girl who's got prolapse yesterday, and she had the same issue as me, and she thought the same. You know, she said, oh, I just thought it's normal.
1: Well, that's one of the things that we want to change with this podcast is change the language from these things happening after birth being normal to accepting that they're common, but they're not normal. Because I think that sometimes when we think that these things are normal, we just put up with them and we don't seek out help early on. We kind of, you know, lever and linger. And you had these issues for almost a year and a half before you sought help. So hopefully we can start to change that conversation. Now that you know that you have prolapse, did you have any other symptoms looking back?
2: Yes, I didn't know that there were actually prolapse symptoms, but I did. So post-exercise, I kind of had like cramps. It was heaviness, but I thought they just cramps. And because I had a baby, maybe things are a bit different in there. Um, Also, straight post-birth, I was very active. I would go for a walk, which everyone says, you know, walking is great post-birth. It is. But maybe not starting with like one hour, 30 minutes. Uh, And that's what I did. Walking just up to the village to, to get a coffee, do some shopping and then come back. But I couldn't sit down when I was up there because I had stitches and everything was painful. So I was on my legs for like an hour and a half, an hour and an hour and a half. And I felt heaviness, which I actually didn't realize it was prolapse. I thought, well, everything is just healing in there. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. And now learning, I had similar symptoms when I was in my third trimester with my um, second one when I was on my feet too long. And it was the same, exactly the same feeling.
1: That's interesting that you say that. So, so many women don't even realize what the symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse are. So, for those of you listening, pelvic organ prolapse is essentially when one or more organs sag down in your pelvis. So, there's a number of different symptoms that you can experience. And the most common symptoms are symptoms like lower back pain, lower abdominal pain. And the cornerstone is that pelvic pressure sensation. So, dragging, heaviness, feeling like things just, you know, they're not in the right place You're sinking down a little bit and you can't be on your feet for too long. So things like, you know, even just being on your feet for 30 minutes, but definitely you said 90 minutes. I mean, that's terrible. Like if your organs are sagging down, you're really going to feel that. Other symptoms that women often experience are bladder and bowel control symptoms. So some women like yourself experience bladder control issues. So incontinence with things like exercise, but other women might feel incontinence with simpler things like coughing or sneezing or, you know, Even things like lifting the child or doing a sudden turn or twist. And some other symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse are also that you actually see that there's a bulge down there. So did you notice that, Magdalena, that there was some changes visually down there? No, I didn't look. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. A lot of women actually don't look or don't want to look. And sometimes it's their partner that says, oh, things look different down there.
2: (laughs) No, I've, no, I didn't notice that visually, no.
1: So Magdalena, was it hard to find the right person to tell about your symptoms and to figure out what was going on and how to fix it?
2: I had no idea who I should see and then after I ended up with wet crotch after the fitness class, I started Googling, you know, incontinence and leaking and that's how I learned that some someone like women's health physio exists, which I had no idea before, even though I did short pre and postnatal calls online for fitness professional and it didn't mention anything about women's health physios.
1: Did- Anyone that you know mentioned women's health physios, like maybe any friends, anyone from mum's group? What about your doctor? Did anyone tell you that you could see a women's health physio to help you with these issues?
2: No. And I had assisted birth as well, which increases risk of prolapse. And no one, my midwife or anyone in the hospital, didn't mention that maybe I should go and see a women's health physio, especially that I am fitness professional.
1: So by assisted birth, you mean that you had either a forceps or a vacuum delivery. Can you tell me more about that? Tell me what happened in your birth.
2: So with my son, um, we had they had to use vacuum because he got stuck. He had cord around his neck. Uh, so then when I was pushing, and I was pushing, probably for quite a while, and uh, he wouldn't come out. Then they used vacuum. He still wouldn't come out. So they actually, I ended up with episiotomy as well. Wow, that sounds quite distressing. How did yes. that make you feel? Um, it was stressful at the time. I mean, the whole bath was kind of stressful because I went to the hospital. I thought I didn't feel him for, the, um, for a while. And I felt him on the way to the hospital, so it was fine. But when we got there, they realized that my heart rate was dropping. His heart rate was dropping every time I had the contractions. So they had to speed up the labor. And because I did calm of course before, I knew that, you know, speeding up the labor and breaking water, something's wrong. This is not right. So that was quite stressful. And how do you think your body
1: reacted to that, being in that state of stress and, you know, knowing that things weren't going to plan, I suppose?
2: Um, probably also slow down. So I guess in a, in a case like that, your body doesn't really want to actually give birth if it's scared, if it's not safe environment and you don't know what's going on. I,
1: I, can't, I can't even imagine what it must feel like to go through that. So you mentioned that you had a vacuum-assisted delivery. Now, knowing about pelvic organ prolapse, do you feel that that was what led to your prolapse? Or do you feel like there was other things going on during the birth that also led to that?
2: Oh, I think it's, it was combination. It was the way I went back to the exercise post-birth. It was that I was working, for, uh, going for, you know an hour walk straight pretty much days post birth. It was probably assisted birth. It could be episiotomy. It could be the way I trained during the pregnancy because I thought I knew everything because I'm a fitness professional and I'm pregnant. I know my I'm listening to my body. I know what I'm doing. It's interesting that you say all that because so many women believe that
1: it's just the birth that caused my prolapse. But now when we look at it we can see that it's a combination of everything. It's how we behave in our pregnancy what our bladder and bowel habits are like pre, re, pre-birth and after birth, what our exercise and movement habits are like as well in pregnancy and after birth. And that's why it's so important for women to make sure that they do get that expert consultation with a women's health physiotherapist to see what's the state of your pelvic floor like before you even fall pregnant, while you're pregnant, and then after, straight after you give birth as well. Because if your pelvic floor's, you know not as healthy as it should be, it can go on to cause other issues down the track as well or you can it can affect your affect you during your pregnancy or after your birth as well i just wanted to make a quick clarification as to some of the things that can put women at risk of a pelvic organ prolapse so it's things like heavy lifting pre-pregnancy or during pregnancy, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that you are going to have a pelvic organ prolapse. It just means that you need to make sure that your pelvic floor is up to scratch and that your pelvic floor is able to withstand the pressures that are coming through from whatever type of lifting task that you're doing. Other things that can put women at risk of a pelvic organ prolapse are what happens during the birth. So assisted births can increase your risk of pelvic organ prolapse. Not every woman will develop prolapse if she has an assisted birth, but some might. And by assisted birth, I mean things like the use of a forceps or the use of a vacuum. So the forceps is kind of like that scissor-like device that some obstetricians use to help deliver the baby. And the vacuum is a suction-based device that helps deliver the baby as well. And that's what you had in your birth, yes. didn't you, Magdalena? Assisted births can increase your risk of pelvic organ prolapse because of the pressure that's used to pull the baby out. So for example, in the case of forceps, when they go in and they tug the baby out, the connective tissue that's holding up your uterus and the connective tissue that's holding up your bladder can also get overstretched. And so instead of your bladder returning back to that high position in your pelvis after birth those connective tissues are now overstretched, and in some cases, they can also tear. And so then the bladder now sits at a lower position. And because it sits at a lower position, you're more likely to then have some bladder symptoms, in particular, bladder control problems. So women might feel that they leak with coughing, sneezing, laughing, jumping, and so on. And you might have those other symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse, like, like lower back pain. And the reason you might feel that lower back pain is because you're Pelvic organs, particularly your uterus, they are held to the base of your spine via ligaments called your uterosacral ligaments. And so then if your uterus is dropping lower, then it's going to pull down on your lower spine and then you're going to feel that lower back pain. The same thing with lower abdominal pain. If your bladder is sitting a bit lower, then it's going to drag down on your connective tissue at the front and you're going to feel that lower abdominal pain. Magdalena, can you tell us about how the pelvic organ prolapse affected your daily life, like in terms of your exercise, your work? How about even looking after your child?
2: Especially when it comes to exercise, um, that's when I learned that all the stuff I've been doing, so like lifting heavy and all the uh, high intensity exercises could actually make it worse. So first, when I found out about my prolapse, I actually was like, I do not want to slow down. Um, I felt so strong I was the fittest I've ever been I was in a great condition and I just like I didn't want to slow down Um, so that was that was really hard and thanks to you that you actually didn't tell me no you can't leave heavy I actually could start understanding myself in my head that you know I do need to slow down because then I don't really want my pelvic floor organs to actually be outside and fall out so that was the hardest part
1: and that's the thing about pelvic organ prolapse that there's actually a few different grades of it. So grade 1 and grade 2 those organs are still inside your vagina. So you don't you might not even notice that you have a pelvic organ prolapse because it's still inside your vagina. Whereas a stage three or a stage four pelvic organ prolapse, you can actually see it protruding through the vagina. So if it's a bladder prolapse, then the wall of your bladder can protrude down and through. If you have a rectum prolapse, then the wall of the rectum or the back wall can protrude through. And if you have a uterine prolapse, then the actual cervix can come down and protrude through. But for you, you had that grade two prolapse wasn't it so you had a grade two bladder prolapse and you had a grade two rectum prolapse so you couldn't actually see it no. when you looked down there
2: no yeah. i wouldn't no i didn't i even didn't want to look i didn't actually look down there till about a year after when i got all cleared from you and i was on close facebook group for women with prolapse and i actually they were saying that they looking down there i was like oh my god i even never actually thought about it <laughs> So I don't know if that was too late because everything was intact.
1: <laughs> you mentioned, um, you mentioned that you know you you didn't even know about pelvic organ prolapse before. Yep. So I was the first person who told you that yes. you have a pelvic organ prolapse. And perhaps had you even heard of it before? And when you
2: found out that you had prolapse, how
1: did that make you feel?
2: Uh, I heard about it. So when I did the online course um, for fitness professional, they actually said that you have to be careful when you train. Moms, because then they can have prolapse or incontinence, but didn't explain what it is. So I heard about it, but I didn't know what it is. Um, I was shocked when you told me because I thought that you're just going to tell me no, You have to just the kegels. It's normal because you had a baby. So yes, when you when I found out that I've got prolapse, I was in total shock.
1: I remember seeing you when I said you had pelvic organ prolapse. And your face was just like blank and I couldn't read you. And in that moment, after you left the consultation, I thought she's not going to come back. And I was hoping that you'd come back, but I, I had this feeling inside me that you weren't going to. So when you left my office that first day, how did you feel and what made you come back?
2: Um, I felt confused and I was really angry I was really angry that because that's when I actually found out that perhaps it is quite common but no one talks about it women think that incontinence is normal my midwife didn't tell me to go and see women's health physio even though I had assisted birth so I was just angry that there's no information out there how common this issue is and what made me to come back because I wanted to fix it And I wanted to learn as much as I can about prolapse and wanted to help other women and spread the word and share my story so others can learn from my experience as well.
0: You're listening to Bellies, Bits and Babies, a babyology podcast about women's pelvic health hosted by pelvic floor expert and physiotherapist, Heba Shaheed. Coming up, we'll be talking about how to do pelvic floor exercises correctly and how Magdalena approached her second pregnancy. If you're a mum going back to work or planning to, have a listen to The Mother Shift, A podcast series hosted by Jacinta Tynan where she talks to six different mums about the challenges of getting back into the workforce. The hours expanded to fill the income I was earning and I was getting less and less time with my kid. I was every morning was rushing to get the kid to daycare and every afternoon was rushing to get him home in time and then your quality time is so limited and then any time for extra things is nothing because you're exhausted. The Mother Shift. listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: There's this misconception that prolapse only affects women when they're elderly or after menopause, but the truth is that pelvic organ prolapse affects women as soon as they give birth, and if they've had that assisted birth, they do have that higher risk. So I think we need to start changing that conversation and start talking about it, like you said, so that women don't leave it until it's too late. Because it doesn't have to be a death sentence. Like if you have pelvic organ prolapse, you can still get back to the life that you love. You can still get back to the exercise that you love. You can still have a life where it's not holding you back. You just need to know what you need to do to get there. So I remember when you would come to visit me in the clinic, you would always come armed with like a thousand questions about (laughs) pelvic organ prolapse and about how you can recover. And I really loved that because I felt, you know, you really wanted to know, you really wanted to know how you could fix yourself. And I really loved the fact that you wanted to help other women as well. So what inspired you to, you know, want to share your story and get this message out there?
2: There is so many women out there with prolapse who think that they're alone, that no one else, you know, like you said, everyone thinks it's just all the woman issue. So when a young woman gives birth and she's got that little baby, she doesn't even know how to look after the baby properly. And then comes the issue of prolapse. Some women think like their life ended. Um, they can't even enjoy the baby. They keep thinking about that feeling down there. It's something's something's wrong. They feel that you know their sex life is not going to be the same. The relationship with their husband is not going to be the same. So that can really affect the life. So let's talk about what helped. What <laughs> helped
1: you with your pelvic organ prolapse, and what helped you get back to the life that you want?
2: You do have to start with Kegels at the end of the day, because I know that now. You can read online that, you know, squats are better than kegels. You can have arguments, but you do have to start with kegels at the end of the day because you need to know how to engage your pelvic floor muscles properly. And being consistent with the exercises. And I know it can be hard as you when you're a mum, And especially now being a mum of two, I know how hard it can be to find the time to do it. Uh, but you have to be consistent if you want to fix prolapse
1: exactly and i think that's one of the key things that women miss out on is that they think that if they just do you know a few kegels here and there that it'll help mm. but the truth is that you have to make sure that that pelvic floor muscles are working in your day to day activities as well and yes of course it does start with learning how to engage your pelvic floor learning that the pelvic floor needs to engage particularly on exertion so on the hard part of a movement. Or when you're breathing out in particular. And for many women, their pelvic floor is engaging on the breath in and letting go on the breath out. So the simplest exercise that they can do is just making sure that that pelvic floor is engaging on the breath out and letting go on the breath in, right? And just practicing that. And I often say to my, you know, I often say to the women that I work with, just dedicate 10 minutes a day. Just 10 minutes a day. If you can do more than 10 minutes, awesome. Your minimum baseline should be 10 minutes a day. And that's actually what I do with our pelvic expert programs is that everything's delivered online. Women can take it from the comfort of their own home and all they have to dedicate is 10 minutes a day and they will see that improvement within eight to 12 weeks. And beyond that, we have to make sure that, you know, we look at it as a priority, right? So we brush our teeth, you know, once or twice a day for a minute or so, right? If we did that on a consistent basis, we'd have healthy teeth. But imagine if we just brushed our teeth for five hours, you know, once a month, you're not going to have that that health in your teeth. So it's the same thing in the pelvic floor. We need to come back and look at our pelvic floor as a as a priority, especially as women and especially as women who've had children.
2: Definitely, because it can affect your whole rest of your life. And I think it also depends on the symptoms. If someone doesn't have the symptoms, are uh, not as bad, they're not as motivated, because if it doesn't hurt you don't remember about it it's not a priority if something hurts or you can feel it that's when it's priority when you first came to see me and i
1: taught you about how to engage your pelvic floor and i sp- i specifically said make sure that you're able to engage it on the breath out how did that come across to you
2: that was so strange no no one talks about it you just the key you know imagine you stop flow of we... No one talks about breathing. So, that was at the beginning, that was actually the hardest part for me to do to make sure that I exhale and leave the pelvic floor. And that's often what I find with my clients as well, that they want to do it the other way around.
1: So, let's talk about why we need to engage the pelvic floor and the breath out. In your body, as a human being, your pelvic floor coordinates with your breathing muscle, which is your diaphragm, and that sits in your middle rib cage area. When you take a deep breath in, just that act of breathing in, your diaphragm expands in a three-dimensional way. It expands sideways, outwards, forwards, and it also expands downwards. And that movement of downwards causes your pelvic floor to get pushed down as well. That's the natural way that your pelvic floor moves in response to a deep breath in. And so when you breathe out and the air comes back out of your diaphragm, your diaphragm then becomes smaller, like it comes back in, it goes back up, it becomes short. It becomes shorter and smaller. And that particular movement of the breath out causes the pelvic floor to get lifted up. There's connective tissue in your body that when you breathe in, causes the pelvic floor to drop down. And when you breathe out, it recoils so that the pelvic floor lifts up. And that's why we have to make sure that we're engaging the pelvic floor on the breath out because we need to go with the natural physiological way that the pelvic floor activates, even though it might sound counterintuitive. And that's the reason why if you're having bladder control problems or you're having back pain, that's why your pelvic floor is not working well because you're actually not engaging it at the right time, which is on the breath out. And the other thing that I want you guys to think about is what happens when you cough and when you sneeze. Isn't it a deep breath in followed by a forced exhale or a forced breath out or a forced cough or a forced sneeze? So we we usually go and then cough and then sneeze, right? So it's a breath out. So in that way, that pelvic floor needs to activate just before the cough and just before the sneeze and then hold on through that cough and through that sneeze and through that breath out so that you're able to protect yourself and not have a bladder control problem. So I hope that makes sense as to why breathing in and breathing out when you activate your pelvic floor is important. Magdalena, we talked about pelvic floor exercises, but we know that it's more than just kegels and more than just pelvic floor activations on the breath out. It's making sure that these muscles are working when you're walking when you're lifting, when you're running, when you're jumping, when you're at the gym. So we want to make sure that those pelvic floor muscles are engaging on the breath out, but also during activity. And this is what you do, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yes, that's what I teach my moms and help them to understand that, you know, we do outdoor training. So I teach them with the resistance bands, with weights at home, if I train them at home. But that needs to translate to your day-to-day life. When you pick up your baby, uh, when you hoover, when you pick up shopping, when you go up the stairs, when you lunch to pick up something from the cupboard. Um, So, yeah, that needs to transfer to the real life. And that's why I'm such a big believer in what we call functional pelvic floor training,
1: ensuring that that pelvic floor is activating with activity, not just Kegels at the traffic lights. Because realistically, that's probably not going to help you in your day-to-day life. And that's why with the Pelvic Expert programs, we always talk about engaging those pelvic floor muscles with a squat, with a lunge, with a bicep curl, and so on. Magdalene, there were a few other things that we also tried to help you with your pelvic organ prolapse. And I really am a big fan of support devices. So we know that in pelvic organ prolapse, the connective tissue is compromised. Yes, the muscles then become weaker because you have this prolapse. But the key issue with prolapse is that your ligaments and your connective tissue are compromised. And so I always recommend that women who have pelvic organ prolapse, if they can, be supported for a support device, which is known as a pessary. And there's lots of different types of pessaries. And we tried a few of those pessaries with you. So can you talk about your experience with the pessary? I loved my pessary. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that.
2: <laughs> I, I say that to everyone, I just loved my pessary. So um, you fitted me with a cube pessary, which supported the pelvic floor Muscles up, And that really helped me with, especially doing the exercise and you know, being active, being on my legs all the time, chasing, chasing the toddler, um, and that helped. That also helped mentally because you actually know that you're not going to make anything worse, that your muscles are supported, and you know,
1: and your pelvic organs are supported. Yes,
2: exactly. So I loved my, I loved my cube. What do you have to
1: say to women who are afraid of trying a pessary, or they look at it and they kind of like? oh, that's not going to fit in there or that's not going to work. What can you tell women who have you know, a little bit of apprehension about trying that?
2: Um, just try it. Just try it because it can really help you mentally. And that's what I found with I mean, women I talk to. It actually helped more mentally than even, and that helps with symptoms as well. So you've got less symptoms because you don't think about it anymore as much. Can you, you can forget about um, your prolapse for a little bit. Yeah. Can you can you talk about that? How does it feel
1: having a pessary inside?
2: Don't feel anything. It's less than even sometimes you can feel a tampon when you've got inside, but you can not feel a pessary. is like nothing. On and some I, days I would actually even forget if I put it in or I didn't. And that's such a
1: great thing to know because so many women think, oh, how is that going to fit in there? It's, I'm going to feel it for sure. But actually, if you have a pessary in there, you have that support device in there, whether it's a cube, and a cube is basically shaped like a cube, and that cube pessary, it takes up all the space inside your vagina. And it's really useful for women who have multiple prolapse, like yourself, Mm -hmm. or who have had a vacuum birth. So um, if you've had a bladder, uterine, and bowel prolapse, then the cube pessary can be quite beneficial. It basically goes in there, kind of like a tampon, and we teach you how to put it in and take it out so you can take it out on a daily basis and look after it yourself. But it feels like nothing. You don't even Mm -hmm. notice that it's in there. The other common type of pessary that's used is a ring pessary. And the ring is basically, again, shaped like a ring. They come in various sizes. And rings are usually used in women who have bladder prolapse or early-stage prolapse or early-stage uterine prolapse as well. So you gave birth to your second very recently, Paige, and she's beautiful. The q pessary can't be used when you're pregnant. So you're recommended to use a ring. How did you feel having that ring in through pregnancy and what are you doing now? Are you still using the ring or using the cube? And how are you feeling
2: with that? Um, I actually, my so first when I used the ring, I thought, oh my God, that doesn't actually give me support compared to the cube. Because with cube, when you put it in, you actually know that it holds everything up. Whereas with the ring, it's kind of like, does it do anything? But when I didn't use it for a while, that's when I actually felt the heaviness in a later stage of pregnancies. And When I started using it again, I was like, oh, my God, that actually is working. I didn't feel that heaviness with it. Um, So you don't feel as much support, I think, as you would know because with the cube. But you get support. That's good.
1: So it's good that you did notice um, some improvement. And it's actually quite interesting to know because so many women who wear the pessary for a long time, they forget what it's like to not have the pessary in for a while and how good you actually feel having had that pessary in for such a long period of time. In that lead up to wanting to fall pregnant again, a lot of mums like yourself, can feel a bit anxious sometimes about going for a second pregnancy and a second birth. Some mums have reservations around whether things will get worse. Did you have anything like that
2: at all? Definitely. So we actually didn't really plan uh, number two. Right. That was a surprise. And one of the reasons, there were many reasons, but one of the reasons in my head was also like, is if I had another child, is that going to make my prolapse worse? Um, And I didn't really want to think about birth. What would I do? Do I have to go with vaginal birth or do I have to do C-section? So Paige was a surprise, great surprise.
1: Congratulations.
2: (laughs) Thank you. And definitely when I found out I'm pregnant, I panicked. First person I saw straight after was my woman's health physio. Because also at the beginning of my pregnancy, I could actually feel the difference in my pelvic floor. I guess because of the hormones and everything else. Because when I went to actually see a physio, she said, everything is perfect. Your pelvic floor is strong. There's no changes. So that was just the hormones who actually which make my symptoms worse. Yeah. But definitely, I panicked straight away.
1: And it's so common that women will panic because you just don't know what to expect. Mm. So did education help you?
2: Oh, definitely. And talking to my woman's health physio straight away when I fell pregnant, you know, Asking her what she thinks would would be better for me, um, vaginal birth or C-section. Look at both advantages and disadvantages and, and knowing that actually my pelvic floor can withhold the pressure and knowing that I can give birth and that doesn't mean that I'm going to make anything worse.
1: I recall you asking about which way you should go, whether you should have a vaginal birth or have a cesarean birth. And I think it's important for me to just say to everyone who's listening that having had pelvic organ prolapse in your first birth doesn't mean that things are going to get worse in your second birth. Education is really, really important, and knowing and understanding your body is really important. And generally, if women have had a pelvic organ prolapse in their first birth, and they've done all the work after birth to strengthen their pelvic floor, they've worn the pessary to help lift their pelvic organs, then they can often go on to have a second birth without having any issues, and things shouldn't get worse. How did you feel after your second birth?
2: Our first week? Amazing. I could say, I didn't have any symptoms. I could engage my pelvic for pretty much straight away. So, um, well, straight away the next day, I didn't try the first day. Um, and I didn't really have any symptoms, but for the first week I pretty much lie in bed and I didn't do much. Um, the second week when I start moving more, I start getting more symptoms and definitely when my husband went back to work and the stress of looking after two kids, Plus, being moving more and doing more stuff, that's when I actually start getting more symptoms.
1: Did you do anything to help you with those symptoms after that? What worked for you?
2: I just kept doing my pelvic floor exercises. I tried not to think about it and don't cry, and just could not wait to go and see my women's health physio to get actually get it checked and see what's going on, because I knew that everything it's going to be care in there, but I actually wanted to know. Did it stay the same? Did it get worse? How does it look like? So how is it? Uh, I went to see my woman's health at five weeks and everything is pretty much the same. Amazing. <laughs> and I think that's such. it can be such a relief. Oh, yes. And you don't have to
1: worry. You don't have to feel like anything's gotten worse. Can you talk about what you were able to do in the time after you'd given birth the first time? In terms of exercise and movement, what you could do and accomplish so that women know that it's something that they can look forward to as well?
2: So, between my number one and number, number two, I actually started Muta classes as well. So, lots of high impact kicking, punching, uh, heavy lifting, squatting, and deadlifting over my body weight, uh, doing high in- and intensity exercises, and back to running.
1: And you didn't have any symptoms in terms of bladder incontinence at all?
2: No. So the only thing with Muay Thai, I had to do everything a bit slower or I knew that I can't do fast kicks because I need to focus on my breathing more.
1: And do you feel like now that you've given birth to your second, you will one day be able to go back to that and not feel any anxiousness or fear in going back to those things?
2: I hope so. So I'm doing things much differently than I did the first time around. So I'm taking everything slow. Um, started my pelvic floor exercises straight away, uh, working more on bodyweight exercises and making sure I breathe correctly uh, with my squats, with my lunges, and that I can enjoy, engage my pelvic floor uh, and enjoy my pelvic floor.
1: Yes, and, <laughs> enjoy it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and hopefully in a few months I'll be able to go back to the high-intensity exercises and and mutai.
1: Awesome. But of course, listening to your body that if you are feeling any pain or discomfort or any bladder or bowel control problems, that you do take that step back and make sure that you are engaging everything correctly so that you can maintain that strength and support down there.
2: Yes, definitely. Going through prolapse, I think, teaches you to actually know what to listen for because people often say when you're pregnant or post-birth, just listen to your body. But you, you don't know what to listen for unless you've actually spoken to a health professional, unless someone told you what the symptoms of prolapse are or other issues. So second time around, I actually know what I need to listen for, how does it feel. If it doesn't feel right, then I know that I have to take a step back. And what are those
1: things that you should listen for and what you should feel? What, can you, what advice can you give to women who are listening?
2: It's very individual because everyone's going to have different symptoms. There are women who are don't have incontinence with prolapse. They feel more like a tampon feeling in there, a heaviness, um, lower back pain, um, and the dragging, that dragging feeling, I think that's most of the women what they have. That's generally the main symptom, that mm.
1: pressure, mm. heaviness, dragging. If things just don't feel quite right down there, then, you know, tune into your body. And especially if you've given birth and you know that it's not the same as it was before you've given birth, definitely go and see a women's health physiotherapist. We are specialists in this area. We can assess you, we can see what type of prolapse you have, what grade of prolapse you have, and we can get you started on things right away, whether it's a support device such as a pessary or pelvic floor coordination exercises, meaning making sure that your pelvic floor is engaging while you're breathing out and relaxing as you breathe in, and then helping you to build up even further from that so that your pelvic floor muscles are supporting you when you're walking, running, exercising, lifting, putting your baby in and out of the car, whatever it might be, any type of activity of daily living, we can coach you and help you get there. Magdalena, you're back at work now and... Before I met you, you had a different career to what you have now. So can you tell me about that?
2: Yes. So when I met you, uh, I was working in an office and was doing fitness part-time. But like I mentioned, I really wanted to work with mums and help them get fit post-birth again. I just didn't know how I can be different than uh, anyone else. And after I found out I've got prolapse, I thought I want to help other women to actually do everything right. And that's when I started learning, doing courses, specialized courses. And now I run group and personal training business for moms. And what's it called? Moms Going Strong Fitness. I love that.
1: Moms Going Strong Fitness. That's exactly our mantra helping women to become stronger yes strong from inside out strong from the inside out absolutely especially if you've got prolapse (laughs) yes thank you so much for joining me magdalena sharing your story has been so inspiring oh thanks for having me it's been so much fun (laughs) it has been so much fun it's so good to see you again you too
0: That's it for this episode of Bellies, Bits and Babies, a babyology podcast hosted by Heba Shaheed, physiotherapist and pelvic expert. If you have a question or a comment, send us an email, podcast at babyology.com.au. And if you think this podcast might help a friend, please let them know. Next time on Bellies, Bits and Babies, we'll be talking about sex during pregnancy and after.
1: It's important for women who are pregnant to know that it is completely safe to have sex while you're pregnant. Yes, You can have penetrative sex. Of course, there are some women who can't have it and they would be advised by the obstetrician not to. But in general, it's totally fine. Your baby is completely safe. It's wrapped in that beautiful, really strong yeah. uterus, nothing's going to happen. So don't feel like pregnancy is a no-no for sex that's right and remember sex is not all about
2: the the penetration let's talk about pleasure and let's talk about connecting there are so many sexual things that you can do with your partner that don't involve penetration